Hey, well, Reverend David Husky's been with us many times, but he's a blessing. And uh, you say, why did you have him here when everybody was gone? Well, it was a turn of events, and he's my friend. And uh, he always has a good word. He always ministers life to us. And he's from Tennessee, uh, and God has anointed him. He's been in ministry uh, 40-some-odd years. And, uh, of course, we, you know, we're looking good. You're looking good, David. It's good stuff, man. Hallelujah. It's good things, you know. But praise God. Aren't you glad for longevity? Aren't you glad for those that do things? So let's give a good Harvest Bible Church welcome. Reverend David, brother David, come on. Come on. All right. All right. Thanks, Pastor Mark. All right. Well, praise God. Well, how's everybody doing? Yeah. Well, man, praise God. What a beautiful day here in California. It's wonderful to be back. I love coming here. Uh, You guys know you got about one of the best pastors on this planet. You know that, right? He's a good pastor. A lot of experience, much, much, much of experience. And you know, we, we just talk about all kinds of different things when we're together. It's really good. We always have great conversations and going back and forth and a lot, just, just regard ministry, you know, and, and, uh, he's been in over 40 years and this year's 40 years for our ministry here, pastor 10 traveled now 30. And I know you're shocked because I look so young. How's that possible? <laughs> so I don't know, maybe just living with God helps a whole lot to keep you young. And, uh, and I have to tell you this, it's by the grace of almighty God, grace, grace, and more grace and more grace. Um, nothing that, that I've done or anything. It's just God moves. He has his call. He has his anointing. And uh, the greatest treasure that I have in Jesus Christ is the anointing. I, I love the anointing. You know, I used to be addicted to other things. I've got an addiction today. Yeah, I sure do. I'm addicted to the anointing. I sure am. I just I love it. I like it. And I like it to be in present. And um, so we're going to get rolling here, and I'll, I'll share with you what we're going to get into. But first, I had a few little inclinations that I'm going to follow, and I want you to go with me to 2 Corinthians. This is going to kind of like just a, a little bit of an exhortation here. Um, I'm in Romans. Let's move over here to the right. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, and uh, I want to show you something here. Uh, we're going to go to verse 5 and 6, 2 Corinthians 7, verse 5 and 6. For indeed, when we came to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Outside were conflicts, inside were fears that they were dealing with. Nevertheless, watch this now, God who comforts the downcast. Nevertheless, God who comforts the downcast. Now watch this, comforted us. Now God comforted us. How did God comfort you? By the coming of Titus. Now, some of you, a few of you are going to be led by the Spirit of God to either call someone or see someone. And you don't have to conjure it up. It'll come up by the Spirit of God because God's going to use you to comfort them. God's going to use you to help them. I remember uh, back when, before I even went to Raymond and uh, I got from work, it was a long day, and I, I, I then did ministry that one night at, uh, with a wavering young girl's home trying to help them. I'm tired. I'm, I'm going back on my motorcycle. The Lord said, go see John Frank Sands. Well, John Frank, me and him were in the fraternity together. It, it wasn't, it was a party fraternity. God forbid everybody else back in the past. And I'm like, Lord, I, I can see him tomorrow. I can see him the next day. 
And he kept impressing me, you need to see John Frank. And I go, God, I'm so tired, I'm worn out, I can see him tomorrow, the next day. And when I got close to the section I needed to turn to see him, he just, he wouldn't let go. I mean, he just kept, you need to see him. So I, I obeyed God, went and went and saw John Frank Sands, and it just so happened he was in an accident. And so that, that's a wide open uh, uh, opportunity to share Christ and how my, I mean, my life was changed. I was sharing now with him how, you know, God is reaching out to you to be born again and saved. So I learned right there that, uh, you know, God has, God, God works on both ends, right? He knows you and he knows other people and he knows how to get you to them. And he knows they're ripe and ready to be saved and born again. And he knows who they are. And so I just want to encourage you, this is going to happen, and just, just be aware of it. If you got an impression to call somebody or see somebody or visit somebody, man, follow that impression. Follow how God's leading you uh, in that. So that's one exhortation. Now, the other, let's go to Philippians uh, chapter 3, I believe, 4. Philippians chapter 4. And we're going to read verse 6 and 7 only, verses 6 and 7. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Be anxious about everything. Be sure you worry. Carry your cares on your shoulders. And everywhere you go, be worried and troubled about everything. The flight over here must have affected my reading ability, Pastor. Be anxious for what? Be anxious for what? Thank you. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with what? Let your request, plural, be made known to God. And the peace of God, everyone say peace of God. See, when anxiousness comes, it wants to rob you out of your peace. And I know pastor's been teaching a lot on peace, and that's not as a comeback on that, just I was impressed to share this. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, meaning what? It's beyond intellect. It's beyond knowledge. It's something that God gives. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's a supernatural activity of God, the peace of God. Even when things around you should bring anxiety, you're not allowing those anxieties because you rolled your care upon God. And the Bible says to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he'll exalt you in due time. Cast all your cares, all your worries, and all your concerns once and for all, once and for all on him. Have you ever cast your care upon God and next thing you know you're thinking about it again you ever cast your care upon God and you're laying down trying to sleep and you're thinking about it again and you kind of catch yourself you see we, we treat cares like a fishing rod you with me no when when you cast your care throw the fishing rod and the whole thing in the lake bless God just get rid of the whole thing it doesn't reel back in and I know there's battles sometimes we give it to the Lord it tries to come back we give it back to God it comes back no God I've given it to God God's got that care all right so once again so the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. So there's an exhortation. And that's something we want to practice and do. So guess what? I, I'm impressed. We're going to do it right now. This is not part of my sermon. This is just something I'm impressed to share with you. But we're going to do that right now. Whatever may be troubling you or, or uh, creating anxiety or anxiousness, whatever that may be, we're going to, we're going to get that off of us. 
Thank you for your nice, overwhelming response. We're going to roll that sack of potatoes off on God. We don't need to be walking around the sack of potatoes. We need to roll that care over on God. He needs that. So we don't worry. We're not anxious. And any time it's brought back to your mind, we just remind ourselves and the devil that's in the hands of God. God's dealing with it. I humbled myself under his mighty hand, and he's going to exalt me in due time. Amen. There's the scripture. Amen. So you all ready to throw, throw a few cares off on God? Amen. Let's stand up. Can we do that? Let's stand up. And then I'm, I'm just going to do something real simple. Let's, let's just get a hold of those cares and just kind of put them right here. Now, whatever they may be. So think about it a second. What, what's been bugging you? What's been bothering you? What's been going over your mind over and over and over? What, what may be person or son or daughter that is, it's just creating uh, anxiousness and anxiety in your life? Or what's going on in your job? Or just, just society in general? That's going on. Look, get all that stuff and let's put it right here. And then we're going to cast that care and roll that care over, over onto God. All right, are you with me? So say this with me in faith. Father, I take my care. And I, as, a, as a sign of faith of that, I put it in my hands. And I'm going to give you all this, all the care, all the worry. Anything that makes me fret, I'm going to give it to you. So, Lord, as your child, I humble myself under your mighty hand, your mighty hand. And I now cast my care. Lift your hands up. Let it go. Now I cast my care. I get rid of my care. I throw it away, and I put it in your hands. And I'm trusting you to take care of it. So until then, I'll be in faith, and I'm going to choose to rest. Because it's not me that's going to do it. It's you that's going to do it. Now follow the hands uplifted. I receive that peace. I can already sense it. I receive that peace that surpasses all understanding. It brings rest to my soul. My heart is not to be troubled. I choose not to be troubled in heart. And Father, I thank you. My mind is full of peace. My soul is full of peace. My body is full of peace. And I now rest in you. This is working. I, I, this is working. I want you to know this. Wow, what an exchange. Huh? What an exchange. I get rid of that and I get peace. That's pretty good. Amen. Now, Father, the Bible says that I'm to give thanksgiving. Is that right? So, Father, I thank you 
The fruit of my lips give the sacrifice of praise. I thank you that you're taking care of it. I thank you that your mighty hand is outstretched and it's working on my behalf and others. Thank you, Father. I'm so grateful. You're a God that hears prayer, answers prayer, and God, you're moving right now. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, wasn't that good? Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. Wow, you guys respond so well. That's why I like coming out here, man. You guys just respond so well, and you're so hungry for the word all the time. And uh, those are just two, you know, I had two inclinations that came by the Lord, and I like to follow those uh, inclinations because they can really, really help people. And I'm getting this too. Someone, your spine, your back, the spine of your back, when all this activity is going on, I believe, I really believe the power of God's on your back. The presence of God's on your back. There's healing power on your back. So I'd receive that. I don't know who that is. Sometimes you'll know, but you know, but, but receive that the healing powers on your back. If it's been stiff, it's loosening up. If there's pain, no pain in Jesus name, whatever the issue is, we're grateful to God for that being healed. And it is being healed right now. Are you hearing me? It's being healed. Now it, I don't know who this is. There's anyone here that's like, hey, man, I, that, that, I'm right in line with that. I've been having some back issues over here. Can, can you, okay, can you all sense anything going on? Sir, can you sense anything? I can hear you. A little bit. All right. Well, Father, we thank you for what you started and you're going to continue to do, right? God, I thank you for the healing power of God. I thank you my, my back as well. I'm whole. There you go. And then, ma'am, over here, can you tell anything? Good, good, good. And sir, right here, can you tell anything? No pain? Uh, did you come with pain? You, and no pain now. Aren't you glad you came to church? Way to receive, sir. Way to receive. Way to receive. Amen. Praise God. Woo. I don't know about you all. I get excited about stuff like that. Amen. Amen. I'm just, what are you doing? Waiting on the Holy Ghost. That's what I'm doing. Just, just like you are, right? Let's don't get in too big of a hurry here. I mean, I got a great message. Oh, my God, it's great. <laughs> Holy Ghost got something better, though. So we just follow him. If there's a change, we go that way. You just follow the spirit of the living God. Amen. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We're so grateful. You're so good, so kind. And we give time for your word. We give time also for the work of your spirit. Okay, I, I got to go ahead. All right. Praise the Lord. How are we doing, sir? Huh? No pain. Did you come with pain? And it's gone now. Let's thank, oh, praise God. Thank God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank I mean, he's over there. He's doing all kinds of gymnastics, man. And it, I'm like, this guy's working. He's, he's working with God on that thing. That's fantastic. Ma'am, you okay over there with the back thing? Okay. In Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. All right. Well, hmm. Gosh, I just don't want to get in a hurry, but I still got an okay, but I'm just, 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 I just, you know, uh, 
That's right. That's right, Pastor. That's exactly right. Come over to your Bible. Go to a script, a, a book of the Bible you read all the time, Ecclesiastes. Yeah, Ecclesiastes. We're going to go to chapter 7, and uh, we're going to look at verse 8. Now, I'm only going to hit, hit certain highlights because we only have a certain amount of time <clears throat> to get this message done to its completion. So I won't do everything. I'll just hit highlights here and there to make the point we're going to make. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 8. The Bible says that the end of a thing is better than its beginning. The patient spirit is better than the proud in spirit. And there's a lot to say, but we're just going to look at the front part. The end of a thing is better than its beginning. So, you know, so when you start something, the end of what you started is better. The Bible's relating the end of a thing, it's better than its beginning. And the example that that I want to give is Jesus Christ. Because how many of you know when Jesus came on this planet, it was a good start? It was a good beginning. Wasn't it a good beginning? Good beginning. But how many of y'all believe that his sacrifice, his death, burial, and resurrection, what he did for mankind, because the Bible, the Bible calls you God's treasure. Yes, amen. That's right. Come on. Oh, that went over really good. Come on. <laughs> I said, the Bible calls you God's treasure. It calls mankind God's treasure. I remember one time I was teaching Bible school and we were teaching on some things. We we're in between two services and we'd always pray in the Holy Ghost, lay hands on our spirit and pray in the spirit. And the Lord spoke and said, clearly he said, I- I'm serious about my harvest. Well, that got my attention. And I'm waiting on to see what else God's going to say. And he said after that, I'm so serious about my harvest that I sent my son to get it. So mankind must be a pretty big treasure for God to do what he did. And you must be a pretty good, pretty big treasure for Jesus to do what he did. Now, the Bible said, while I was yet ungodly, now about you, I did a pretty good job being ungodly. Oh, y'all so holy. Wow. What a holy bunch y'all are. College is horrible. And, and the Bible says, while I was yet ungodly, God demonstrated his love towards me through the cross of Jesus Christ. While I was yet a sinner, while I was yet ungodly, sinner, ungodly. So while I was a sinner, Christ died for me. While I was ungodly, God was still reaching out to me. God was still loves the, uh, God loves the ungodly. He loves them. He reached out to them with love. So how many of y'all know we couldn't be good enough to get saved? We're saved because grace gave Christ. Faith receives that grace. Is that right? And then so now all of a sudden we're walking with God. We're children of God. We're not perfect, but we're growing to maturity in Christ, I pray. And then all of a sudden now because I make a mistake as a Christian, God doesn't love me anymore. Oh, really? But he loved you while you were ungodly. So why would he love you less now that you're his son and daughter? See, the devil wants to jump in on the imperfection. The devil wants to jump in on the weakness. Because, you know, we want to live here, but sometimes we live here. <laughs> That's right. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Right. <laughs> I may not make it to this sermon, man. We'll do the God deal. That's right. So, so in other words, I know I want to be here, but I'm living here. 
And so then the devil jumps in on that. He sees that. The enemy sees that. And he goes, now's the time to bring the condo bondo. That's condemnation. Condem devil's good at condemnation. Guilt. Inferiority complex. The Bible talks about, matter of fact, a lot of times it's the voice of self-accusation. You ever looked in the mirror and said, I don't like you. I've done it before. Things going wrong, things are going the way you want, and other people's decisions affect the way you look at yourself. And you look in the mirror and you go, I don't like you. That little voice on the inside, you don't express everybody else probably, but it's inside you go, I don't like you. That, that's an identity crisis. Something's going on. Something's trying to rob our identity. And it's called condemnation. It's called guilt. It's called the self, the self-tormenting accusation. It's self-tormenting. In other words, it's like, you know, I'm just, I'm not happy with myself. I'm not where I want to be. Look, we're, I don't think we're ever going to be where we want to be, but I'm sure further today than I was back 10 years ago and way further than I was 40 years ago. I'm not where I want to be. I'm not been perfected. I'm close to perfection. So close. It scares me. <laughs> you notice my wife is not with me here today. And so the devil jumps in on that weakness. And look, and when you have a real heart for God, I'm talking you got a real heart and love for God. You really love God. You really love Jesus. And when we, you know, fall short or we mess up, especially when the Spirit of God goes, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And you did. I think we've all been there. And then the devil jumps in on that, you know, to bring this, this, this guilt, this condemnation. Well, God must not love you. Look, look, it, you can't make God love you more or love you less. Can't happen. No matter what you do in action or in performance, you can't make him love you more. You can't, he, you can't make him love you less. He loves you the same. Well, if I just read the Bible more, God will love me more. If I go to church more, God will love me more. If I do this more, God will love me more. No, 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 you should do those things, but it's not going to make God love you more. And making a mistake or a failure is not going to make God love you less. Matter of fact, the Bible says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach. Now, what does that mean? God's not going to say, I told you so. God's not going to do that. And it's like, well, man, I mean, I made my own mistake. I mean, God tried to go get me not to go that way, but I did anyway. How can I ask God to get me out when I was the one that disobeyed? How can I ask God to pull, pull me out when I'm the one that created the situation? How can I ask God for wisdom for something I created? That's because God will give it liberally to all who ask, and he's not going to hold you in reproach. He's not going to say, you ain't going to have nothing I got. You know, I... I'm going to show you something here. I got a $20 bill here. And uh, is this worth $20? Well, it's supposed to be, right? I know that's what everybody was thinking. Anyway, it's $20. All right, now, so let's get this $20 and let's just crumble it all up. Just smash it up, man. Just stomp on it and just squirm it in the ground really good and treat it like a worm. And it's all messed up. God, it's all messed up. It's squirmed all up. Let's see. Let me see. Ooh, it's a really messed up 20 now. Is it still a 20? Your value 
is still there. God still loves you, though we've gone through things that either the enemy brought or we went through. Things happen, but God loves you the same. It doesn't change the activity of God loving you at all. So the devil jumps in and he sees this thing, and now he wants to bring this, this uh, I, I'm less than, I'm not living up to the standard I want to live to, and the devil sees that. Then he brings, and he says things like, well, and you say you love God, and you tell people about Jesus? See, he's trying to shut up our mouth. He's trying to keep trying to kiss to be quiet and to live. See, if I'm under condemnation, if I'm under this condo bondo, I can't grow. It stagnates me. I can't get beyond the condemnation. Now, let me ask you a question. The blood of Jesus Christ was shed for what? For the forgiveness of sin. Is that right? Was the blood of Jesus shed for the forgiveness of sin? All but that major one you did, right? Everyone, just like, everybody say all. all. The blood of Jesus was shed for all sin. All. I, yes. Right? Amen. Now, the purpose of the blood was so that I would be forgiven. So, so, so if I'm forgiven, then there's no Yes, if I'm forgiven, there's no sin. If there's no sin, there's no condemnation. There's no condemnation. There's no more guilt. What's guilt hanging around for? Let me, I'll give you another example. Matter of fact, I got a series out there, y'all, that's called uh, Y'all. Well, that's Southern, and y'all. My goodness, where'd that come from? <laughs> Good night. I mean, I know I'm Southern, but not that bad. Okay, never mind. And it's called to forgive yourself, forgiving yourself. And, uh, and it boils down to this is that people say, I know God's forgiven me. I know God's forgiven me. I just can't forgive myself. And that's a faith problem. Because the Bible says, I'm to come to God in a new and a living way. He, that he consecrated through the veil that is for us. That, that having the full assurance of faith that my... Uh, let's go to Hebrews. Let's go to Hebrews. I'm sorry. I'm not doing the best job of quoting that. Hebrews, I'm not going to teach this message anyway. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. Look at this now. Hebrews 10, 22. Are y'all there? Let us draw near with a true heart, look at this, in the full assurance of faith. That's key. Everyone say full assurance. In the full assurance of faith, watch, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Wow. So in other words, I'm to come to God in a living way in the full assurance of faith, having my conscience clear, not having an evil consciousness. Back up and watch this in Hebrews uh, chapter 10. Look at verse 2. For then would the, no, verse 1 and 2. For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with these sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. It's an Old Testament type that once a year the high priest would go in and offer the blood on the mercy seat for the forgiveness of him and all, all those that were there. 
every year, meaning that when they go back, it brought, they, it never cleared those worshipers of the consciousness of sin. Because every year they had to go back. Every year they had to go back with that sacrifice. So it, it didn't, it, it could not do its work. Uh, but verse two, for then would they not have ceased to be offered for the worshipers once purged or cleansed would have had no more what? Consciousness, consciousness of sins. The blood of bulls and goats only atoned. It only covered the sin. They had to go back every year, signifying by the Holy Ghost that they, they, their consciousness cannot be dealt with. But the blood of Jesus Christ, man, the blood of the Savior, the blood of our Lord, the blood of the Son, the living God, the blood that was shed, the blood that was given is the way our sins are remitted. Life was given, life became death that I could have from death to life. He took my sin that I could have his righteousness. He took my place of sin that I could have his place with God. So in the full assurance of faith, then my consciousness has no more evil, evil, the evilness of consciousness or the consciousness of sin. Because once the worshipers went through, there should be no more consciousness of sin. The blood of bulls and goats could not do that. And that's where Paul was telling the Hebrews, you can't go back to the law. You don't give in to the persecution. You can't go back to offering the blood of bulls and goats. And he goes, because you have a better high priest, you have a high priest now called Jesus Christ, the high priest of the new covenant, his blood was shed and the blood of bulls and goats don't compare to the blood of the savior, Jesus Christ. The blood of bulls and goats fell short, but the blood of Jesus didn't. Not only did it, it, did it, get, it didn't atone, it remitted. It, it got rid of all sin. Now, so if the blood of Jesus Christ gets rid of all sin, and I ask God to forgive me, and God does, but then I say, but I can't forgive myself. There's a problem. We're not applying the blood of Christ in the full assurance of faith. So then I got to go back to, okay, Father, I thank you for the, the sacrifice of Christ. Jesus, thank you that you're my high priest. And I, I, I messed up here. Or I was tempted here or tests and trials came here. I didn't live up to standard that I felt like I, I ought to have there. And, and there's, this, there's this condo bondo. There's a sense of guilt and condemnation, Father. But I, but I know the blood of Jesus Christ was shed, was given for my forgiveness. And all I got to do is confess this sin. And you're faithful and you're just to forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So, Lord, I just give this to you. And I just go through this bloodline, so to speak. And when I come out on the other side, we go, Father, I thank you. I'm forgiven. Amen. But you know what some people do? They judge their forgiveness on how they feel when they come out of the prayer closet. As they say in the South, you ain't going to feel no different. <laughs> Translation. <laughs> You're not going to feel any different more than likely. So what does feelings have to do with faith? I went in the prayer closet. I asked God to forgive me according to his word. I received forgiveness by the blood of Jesus Christ according to his word. But when I come out of the prayer closet, I don't feel, feel, everybody say feel. feel. 
I don't feel, not F-I-L-L, F-E-E-L. It sounds that way because, never mind. I don't feel, forget, that has nothing to do with it. It's the full assurance of feelings. Full assurance of faith. It's the full assurance of faith. So in other words, Father, I thank you. You've forgiven me according to your word. And you know what, Father? I forgive myself. That gets rid of the voice of self-accusation. I forgive myself. Now, now we're at a place that now there's no consciousness of sins. Because when I say I can't forgive myself, I'm still having an element of consciousness of sin. In other words, I know God's for. I said this by the Holy Ghost in the meeting. That's how I got the CD. And I said it by the Spirit of God. For us to say God's forgiven me, but I can't forgive myself. And to say I'm at God's throne. I'm at God's court. And God's had his gavel. He slammed and says, you're forgiven. I pardon you. But, we're gonna, but then we say, but I can't forgive myself. So we get up to God's throne. We push him off. And we take place of his throne. We grab his gavel and slam and say, but I am guilty. Come on. That's right. Think with me. Because that's what we're doing. Now, the Bible says we grow in in, in 2 Peter chapter 3, we grow in knowledge and grace. We grow in knowledge and grace. Now, how many of you operate in all the knowledge you know all the time? I was going to cast that lying spirit out of you if you raised your hand. None of us have. None of us have. So, but we want to grow into maturity. We want to, we want to develop into the image of Jesus Christ. And that's going to happen until the day we go home to be with Jesus. That's just going to be an ongoing work. And so what happens is when I don't operate in all the knowledge I know, then there's the enemy. There's the devil between I really, look, you really love God. There's a real love for God. That's what makes it so difficult because we get so disappointed at ourselves when we do something we shouldn't have done or we haven't been obedient to God or whatever. Are y'all, are you understanding? So the devil jumps in on that to bring this condo bondo to jump in on the weakness. But I got good news for you. There's grace over weakness. There's grace over weakness. And God, look, God understands humanity. We're still made out of flesh. I mean, I know when I wake up in the morning, I know I'm made out of flesh. I mean, I got an iPhone, you know, it's got the face recognition. I wake up in the morning, it looks at me and it goes, does not recognize face. I go, What? I'm not lying. It really does that sometimes. It's spooky what I look like in the morning in the flesh. That didn't go over very well, did it? We grow in knowledge. So the devil jumps in on the weed. Now, let's go to Hebrews. We're in Hebrews. Go to Hebrews chapter 4. Very powerful scripture. A lot of you know it. Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 14, 15, and 16. Is anyone being ministered to? Well, it was a good sermon too, man. Greg, look at all that time we wasted getting all that set up there. Thank you. I told him, this is man, look, I may not go by this. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. Y'all right? Hebrews 4, 14, 15, 16. Seeing then that we have a, 
a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Okay, so we will. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. It's a double negative. Meaning, we do have a high priest that sympathizes with our weaknesses. One version, I can't remember what it is, um, but it says that he, Jesus has shared, feel, shared feelings of our weaknesses. He understands them. He was tempted in all points like we are, tempted every way like we are, yet he never sinned. That, that's, that's the person I want to go to. That's the person I want to be my intercessor. Are y'all with me? All right. So then, so we do have a high priest that sympathizes with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. So based on this, that we have a high priest, let us therefore come boldly, confidently to the throne room of grace. Yeah, but, 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 I, but I messed up. I messed up. Well, that's why there's a weakness. I, I messed up. I didn't operate in imperfection or God tried to get me not to do that, but I did anyway. But there's sometimes God says, don't do it. And we obeyed. No one. I'm kidding. Or God told us to do something and we did obey. We weren't, we weren't disobedient. And so we're growing in these things. So then I'm to come boldly to the throne room of grace that we may obtain mercy. Amplified says mercy for our failures. Woo! Thank God for mercy. I have I've had a lot of it. Mercy for failures. Mercy, mercy. But see, God didn't just stop like, I'm just going to give you mercy. I'm just going to give you mercy for your failures. I'm, I'm not just going to forgive you because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. But it goes on to say, but... Uh, that we may obtain mercy, but find grace to help. But find grace to help. But you'll find grace to help in time of need. Unmerited favor, undeserved favor. But you don't understand, Reverend Husky, I don't deserve it. Exactly. Now let's understand what grace means. Undeserved. Undeserved. While I was yet a sinner, Christ loved me. And demonstrate that love through Christ dying on the cross. I didn't deserve it. So God reached out by grace and faith said, I'll receive Jesus Christ. And I've been, I became forgiven. I'm now a born again believer. Praise God. I know I'm a child of God. God's bearing with us my spirit that I'm a child of God. And then with that, I'm able to grow in God. Have I been totally perfect? No, 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 no. We never will be. But God loves us just the same. That we have grace, find grace in the time of need. God's unmerited favor. God's stretched out hand. God's activity of love. Knowing that even in my worst moments, he still loves me. I mean, I remember going through a few tests and trials. I remember one test trial I went through. Dear Jesus, God Almighty, Lord, have me. You know where the Bible says God will not allow you to be tempted or beyond what you're able? And I go, Lord, it sure feels like it. But it's right there in 1 Corinthians 10. So evidently, I'm in a place I must be able to handle this because you said you're not going to allow anything to happen that I can't bear through or get through uh, with that. So, but it felt like, it felt like that. And I remember, I remember driving around going, I I said, God, 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 woo, God, where are you in all this mess? 
And inside, inside he says, in you. Oh, sometimes when God says something, doesn't it just kind of, don't you want to put a little dunce hat on your head going like, man, 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 I knew that. In other words, I have not gone anywhere. I'm still in there. I haven't left. See, that's why the Bible says to cast all your cares upon him once and for all, all your worries, all your anxiety, cast it upon him because he cares for you. Because when the care comes, what's a care? Something's going on. Something is, it's, it's opposing life. Something is different than what we want. And so then the devil comes in with, well, well if, God loved, if God loved you, why do you allow this to happen? You ever gone through that one? He's trying to get us to doubt his love for us, man. God loves you. Say this with me. God loves me. You need to say it out loud. Don't do no little whisper inside thing. Let's try it again. God loves me. 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 God loves me. Even in our weakness. Because I'm not going to let you stay there. He gives grace. He gives grace over it. Because that's the kind of God he is. Now, we're going to talk about the finisher's destiny. We didn't quite get there. But let me say this. However... What we just talked about in dealing with the condemnation, dealing with our weaknesses and the devil trying to oppose it and stop it, when we learn to overcome the voice of self-accusation, when we learn to overcome the guilt that's inside there and apply the blood of Jesus Christ in the full assurance of faith, then when you come through the blood, you come out with, okay, God, I'm forgiven. I am, I'm forgiven. Thank you that I'm forgiven. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. You know, way, way back in 2014, um, I had a pretty unique experience. I don't think I've preached it here before. And uh, it's where I had my eyes closed and I'm praying and that kind of thing. Just in my office, I'm not on my knees, just, just in, you know, in the chair, just thinking, meditating, praying, and just everything. I had my eyes closed. And all of a sudden, I, all of a sudden, I see myself watching myself. And I'm like, Wow. And then I see myself walk through a bloodline, like, 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 only I'll explain it. It's like this pipe, a line of blood coming down it, and I'll walk through it. I saw myself do that. And I thought, well, it must be the bloodline, pleading the blood, the blood of Jesus. And, you know, so, all right. But then when I walked through the bloodline, then right after that was another pipe, so to speak, and a straight line of water was coming down. Then I walked through water. And I thought, what is that? What's a water line? I've heard of a bloodline, but I've not heard of water. What's a water line? What's that? What is that? What is that? And I didn't understand it. And the Holy Ghost on the inside said, it's important that you know how both operate together. Meaning what? The cleansing blood and the cleansing word. How they work together. And God, God gave, now we can't teach it here, but God gave that revelation. Now I'm backing up to this point. Because of that, whenever I fall short or I mess up or don't move in full perfection, I close my eyes and I see that blood. I've seen it. I see that blood. 
So I just go, Lord, I, well, I just messed up right there. I receive your forgiveness. Uh, I, I confess it all, and I receive it right now. I step through that blood on the other side. It's over. I'm, okay, thank you, God. It's done. My mind didn't go back to it because I stepped through that blood. I knew it is washed off. It's cleansed off. Yes, amen. amen. And I'll tell you what the word will do, you know, because we live in a fallen world, right? And, but we still have to live in it. And so our feet touches the world, so to speak, like with Peter. You know, uh, the Lord said, I'm going to wash your feet. And, you know, Peter said, yeah, you'll never wash me. Go, if I don't wash you, you have nothing with me. So knowing Peter will wash my head, my hands, and my feet. Remember that? I love Peter. He loved God. And what did Jesus say? No, you're already clean. You're already clean. The word, the word I've spoken to you has cleaned you. I just need to wash your feet. Why? Because that's what touched the dirt of the earth. So when you read the word and it deals with our attitudes, it deals with issues, it's trying to correct me and work on things, it'll cleanse the touch of the world off. That's right. Amen. Amen. In a nutshell, you're getting it. The blood of Jesus deals with my inner man, my conscience, and the, the, the word deals with me living in a fallen world. It's out there. You got, if you, there's a series, if you want it, it, just ask me about it. It's there if you want that. But you, you caught the gist of it anyway with just that. Right, now, go to 1 John and let me close, let me close this way, okay? Are you all doing all right? Yes. Did you get something? Yes. Something you can use, I hope? 1 John chapter 2, look at verse uh, 28. Well, 27 and 28. 1 John 2, 27 and 28. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, it is not a lie. And just as it, the anointing has taught you, and the, these are the five key words. The anointing teaches us. Every born and begin believer has an anointing. Now, let me, now, you have to read the context. Someone will take that with a rebellious spirit saying, there's no church any good. There's no pastor any good. I'm going to have a Bible study. I'll come to my Bible study, and I'm going to teach on Revelation. It's supposed to laugh. It's a bad setup. Because, because, and they use that scripture because after all, no one needs to teach me. I'm taught by the Holy Ghost. Now, that's a problem because Jesus called the fivefold ministry apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Well, my gosh, we're supposed to be only taught by the Holy Ghost. How come Jesus called teachers? So you have to rightly divide the word of truth, rightly divide it. Is talking in context under deception. If you're in a place, a deception's trying to deceive you, you have an anointing on the inside that knows all things, and it will expose the deception. It'll expose the lie. That's what it's talking about. That's what it's talking about. And so the anointing will teach you, and as the anointing teaches you, what's the last five words? You will abide in Wow. If we follow the anointing, we'll stay in Jesus. Because Jesus said, without me, you can do, but I can do all things through. 
See, the devil tried to deceive us to get us out of that anointing, out of that supernatural ability of God. But as the anointing teaches me, then I will continue to abide in Jesus Christ. All right, now, now look at this in verse, verse 28. And now, little children, abide in him. Stay, stay in tune with that anointing. Yeah, keep walking with that. Now abide in him. Watch that when he appears, how many of you know Jesus is going to appear? We may have confidence when he appears, but look, and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Ooh. Now, what would make me ashamed before him at his coming is if I'm not abiding in him. Now, I'll give an example. See, okay. Raised in church, born again at the age of 12. Uh, but there was no commitment to Christ. There's no root. And boy, I'd love to teach on how it means to be rooted in Christ. And so anyway, coming on back around. So then uh, I go to college. Now, so college was a series of bad, 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 bad decisions. Ended up joining a fraternity, a party fraternity. And I learned a lot of things, how to get away from God, how to cuss, have a bar bill, and just mess up over and over and over and over. Oh, it was bad. So it, so some ladies from the church, I was born, uh, I was saved at a Baptist church and some older ladies sent me a letter and they said, David, we just want you to know we're praying for you. <laughs> oh, oh. And I, you know, I thought, you know, that's really sweet of them. That's, I didn't realize my back, 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 very bad decision. I mean, I knew it was way, but not, and they're going to pray for me. I thought, well, that's nice of them. They're going to pray for me. So then it's my senior year, and we're, me and some fraternity brothers, we're going to go back, backpack Appalachian Mountains. You know, the smoke is right there where I live. And we're going to go backpacking because we're going to get in touch with nature. Yeah, and we got stuff to help us get in touch with nature with. <laughs> yeah, lots of it. Lots of it, all kinds of stuff. And, and, we, and we got, you know, we got marijuana. We got, we call them dubs back then. I don't know what, they call them bunts now or something. I don't know what they call them. Wait, it don't matter. It's marijuana. So, so we got three sticks in the car, and we're driving to the Appalachian Mountains, our senior break. We're going to go backpack, you know, and so, you know, we're, we're smoking weed. We're <laughs> having fun. <sighs> and I've, I've got a buzz. I'm high. I mean, we got three of them, okay? And we're sucking it for all we got. So, I'm, I mean, I'm buzzing, man. And so I'm driving the car, and there was a cross on the side of the road that someone put there, and they said, Jesus Christ is coming back soon. I knew what that meant. But I just backslid. And I saw that. Freaked me, freaked me out. My buzz, gone. There ain't no buzz. There ain't no high. My thought was, Jesus is coming right now. And if he did, I would have been ashamed. So I prayed a prayer. Sure did, in my heart. Not these other guys. They're still smoking weed. And it gets coming my way. I didn't smoke anything, man. I just, I just pass it on. They're just smoking, laughing. I saw that. And I'm not smoking anything. I'm sober. And inside, I pray a prayer. Not a biblical prayer, but I prayed a prayer. And it was a real prayer. Inside, I said, Jesus, please don't come right now. Isn't that horrible? But it's the truth. Please don't come right now because I don't think I'll make it. Now, I'm not saying I lost my salvation, but I sure lost the assurance of it. 
And so if I'm really abiding in Christ when he shows up, I'm going to look up and I'm going to be confident because I'm abiding in Christ. But I wasn't abiding in Christ. My lifestyle was totally not the lifestyle God wanted me to live in. I mean, getting high, drink, getting drunk, you know, the girl thing, just the whole get. You ever seen the movie called Animal House? There you go. It's slightly worse than what we were, slightly. Then in 1979, things were going so bad. God is so bad. I, I really didn't want to live. And uh, I just went, God, I got to have you back. So I, I asked God to deal with me, and I dealt with myself for roughly maybe a month to three months. I mean, I really dealt with everything. And I and, and asked God, and I was at church as much as I could be. And we're in a week-long revival, Sunday to Sunday. And that last Sunday, I knew this is my moment. Now, I counted the cost. That, that's actually part of being a finisher. I, I, took, I, go, I told God, God, I don't want to recommit 52 weeks out of the year. Either I'm going all the way or I'm not going at all. That's what sets your course towards your destiny. Now, this, this is a short version on this thing. And so there's a lot that start, but we want to be those that finish. Many start, but how many finish? And I want you to finish. I want me to finish. Not just start. And that's what this is all about. So in 1979, I went up there to the preacher and said, look, the way I lived in college was horrible. I repent of it. I want God's forgiveness. But I want you to know, preacher, as you pray for me, that I'm committing my life to God. That from this day forward, my life is not my own. Amen. It's his. Yes. That I, I, all I want to do now is please God. Yes. To me, the key verse is Galatians 2.20. This is big, y'all. Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20. Can, can you find that? Yes. Galatians 2.20. Well, and, and I'll quote it, and then they can read it. I have been crucified in Christ. See, see I didn't want to live anyway. All right, so then I'll just get crucified. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that lives. I died. David Husky died. In the life I now live, oh, I'm sorry. It is no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. I've been crucified. It's no longer me that lives. I'm dead. Christ is living through me now. One of the hardest decisions is choosing to die completely and give your life to Christ. But it's the best decision. When you lose your life, you gain it. But it's not always easy to die to your life. You got dreams and ambitions. You got to die to them. But you get resurrected to his dreams and his ambitions. And after 40 years, don't, don't you think it's better, Pastor Mark? <laughs> There's no doubt it's better. Best decision I ever made, 1979, was to sell out. I counted the cost. Either I go all the way or I don't do it at all. And I know that was God dealing with me and made, and made that commitment. It chose to die. And the moment I did, oh, my goodness, God started revealing himself, making himself real. And all I could pray is, what's your will now for my life? And that, that's how I found my destiny. That's what put me in the purpose I was born for. And this is for everybody. 
Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for me? Thank you for your attention. You did so well. Now look, maybe you're not born again. Maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Possibly you've been infant baptized, but, but have you received Jesus Christ? This is the Bible reveals he's the way, the truth, and the life. And it's through Christ that we're becoming a new creature. So if you've never received Jesus Christ into your heart by praying a prayer to invite him in, and you would like to, would you please raise your hand? I'd like to pray for you. Anyone? All right, next one. Maybe, maybe right now you're like I was. Maybe you're backslid. Just, just away from God, backslid. And I want you to know something. God's reaching out and God will take you back and make you royal in his family. And the greatest decision you can make this Sunday is to die to yourself that Christ may live through you and make a committed decision of I'm coming back, God, and I'm coming back all the way. And by your grace, you're going to do a work in me. Is there anyone here and you're like, Reverend Husky, that's me. I'm in that condition right now, just like you were. But like you, I want that to change. I want the course of my life to be different. If that is you, would you please raise your hand? I'd like to pray with you. Are you raising your, your hand, young man? Thank you. Thank you so much. That's awesome. God bless you. What? Right, now, maybe this is you. One foot is in God and one foot's in the world. It's like, well, there's a heart for God. Now, I'm not saying you're loving God. There's a heart for God. But then there's this pull of the world. And it's kind of like you live, you live two lives. It's like there's this life I have at church, but there's this life I have at home. And, and it's just, it's not adding up. I, I, I know I'm not where I need to be. I got one foot in God, one foot in the world. And, and you need to make a decision to get that one foot out of the world and completely dive into God in Christ. I know that, been there. So I'm, I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching with you and toward you because I have been there before. And I'm telling you, God will take you back. God will love on you. God will reveal himself to you. God will make himself known. God will love on you and forgive you. It's just the greatest decision. I don't know why more people don't do it. It's the greatest decision. To die to you in this when you find real life. But if you hang on to your life, you lose it. But if you lose it, you gain it. So that is you here. And you're like, Reverend Husky, that, that's where I'm at. I got this one part in the world, one part in God. And I don't like, I don't like the situation I'm in. And, and I want to do what you said. I want to make a full commitment to Christ. I want, I want to jump in both feet into Christ. I don't want the world. It has nothing to offer. I'm willing to die to me completely. I'm willing to be crucified in Christ that Christ may now live through me. I'm willing to make that quality spiritual mental decision. If that is you, would you please raise your hand? 
Thank you. God bless you. Thank you, ma'am, for your honesty. There's, there's more. There's more than one. Anybody else? And that's where you're at? Come on, you, you know. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. That's two. There's another one. There's another one. Now, now, the Holy Ghost can't get any plainer than what he just did right now. And you know it. You know it's you. You can put your hand down, sir. I saw it. Man, you can put your hand down. There's one more. There's one more person here. I, I know God's trying to reach. And you know this is you. So I want you to respond and make this choice. Who's this person? I'm not going to wait much longer, but I sure am going to give you opportunity. Ma'am, do you have your hand up or are you worshiping God? Your hand's up? God bless you. God bless you. Ma'am, I see your hand there. I don't know if it's you or worshiping God. Now, I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. And I want to invite you to come up here so I can pray. And look, if someone needs to come with you, please come with them. It's okay. A friend, come with you. But I want to see the, I, I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. And hopefully that, that it takes hold. So those of you that raised your hand, would you be very bold for me? You're in church. We love people. And make your way up here. Make your way up here. This is good, y'all. This, is, this, is, this takes a lot of courage. A lot of courage. God bless you. Come on up. Come on up. We, everybody give them a hand. This, this is a big step for people like this. God bless you. God bless you. Let God do what he's doing. God bless you and let God do what he's doing, okay? Let God, let God do what he's doing. Open up. Let God do what he's doing and open up. Same thing, ma'am. Let God do what he's doing and let him open up. Same thing, let God do what he's doing. And let him open up and bring a change. Welcome back. What's your name? Jeff. Jeff. Welcome back, Jeff. Me and you was walk. We're in the same line. Mine was a seventy nine though. And so you're going to come back to the Lord. And here, here's what's for all of you. This is an important decision, especially with, with you, Jeff. Is you must make this this quality decision. Lord, I choose to die in you. Completely. Spirit, soul, and body, it's not what I want, it's what you want. And from this day forward, my highest desire to please you. If you make that decision, this is going to work. Now, God's grace will do the rest. All right. So can you make that kind of, can you make that kind of a decision? You able to do that? I felt so. Very good. Very good, Jeff. This is going to work. Now, all the rest, can you all make that decision too? The rest of you can make that kind of a decision? Ma'am, you good there? Can you make that decision? Okay, all right, so let's pray this prayer. And, and let's, let's all do this. Can we all pray? Thank you for your patience. Thank you for waiting as people get ministered to. So here we go. Say this with me and let your heart hook up to the words. Father, I now choose in Jesus' name, by faith, I make a choice that Jesus 
I take self off the throne of my heart. And I open my life up to you. I surrender completely to you. In Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart, into my life, completely. And sit there as Savior and Lord. Lord of my life. Now, Father, I receive forgiveness right now. Yeah. Completely forgiven. You're going to leave this church clean. You're going to leave this church clean. And Lord, I thank you now that you are my Lord and Savior. And according to the word of God, you're now saved. A child of God. And now say this with me. Lord, work in me what pleases you and what is good in your sight. I'm back home. Love on me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, y'all did great. You did great. You can be seated. God bless you. I'm going to give it back to Pastor. We got this book called The Finisher's Destiny, if you're interested in, in the rest of our sermon. And we got what's called Reaching the Finish Line. So if you're interested in any of this part to continue on, these are available to you. Hey, God bless you all. Love you. Have a blessed Sunday, okay? Amen. <laughs>